Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? You excited to be in church this morning, anybody? Well, my man, South Campus. I don't want to, like, compare, but South Campus, you're way louder than North Campus. I know that. We'll try it again. Y'all excited to be in church today? Anybody? Man, it is going to be a great time being in God's house with God's people. Uh, My name is Justin. I'm the next-gen pastor here, uh, and I'm so glad you're here. And one of the things we talk about uh, basically every single week, and you'll hear this repeatedly, is we want to be a place for everybody. Uh, That means anybody struggling with anything, any background, anywhere you're at with the whole faith thing. If you're like, I'm not sure what I believe, this is a great spot for you. And we really mean that. And you're going to encounter people, uh, whether you come out on Velocity Wednesday nights, our student movement from middle school, high school students, you're going to see that at Velocity. You're going to see that at CC Kids at either location. You're going to see that in the services, the people helping you with coffee, parking your car, everyone here. We are so glad that you are here in church, both campuses. If you are glad we got people in the house for the first time, would you make some noise? Just let them know they are welcome and we are glad that they're here and we would love to connect. Now we're starting a brand new series today called Fighting for Control. Uh, And if you're like me, uh, you can get kind of tired of being controlled by so many things in life, right? Like we got, uh, if you remember back to school, how many of y'all you remember in school, like the the class bells going off? Like it doesn't, at the end of class, bell goes off, your brain goes off, right? I remember I had a professor who was like, you guys just keep working through the break. I'm like, you can say that all you want, but none of us are listening right now. Because since we were children, it's like bell goes off, brain goes off, pack up a head out. Or maybe you have a job where you got to punch in to a specific time where you're clocking in, clocking out. Uh, maybe uh, for whatever reason you have dietary restrictions or people are giving you food and you're like, I don't want to eat this food. Can't I have meat, cheese, and butter all the time? And you're making me eat things that grow out of the ground. Like, what are we doing here? And we can get frustrated, can't we? We feel like we want freedom and we don't want to be controlled. But here's the reality. In order to have freedom, you have to have control over some things. And like all of us know that is true. You think about even back to you when you got your license. If you haven't gotten your license yet, that's okay. We'll talk. I might spoil that a little bit for you, but it's still really cool. But how many you remember back when you got your license? Put your hands up if you remember when you got your license. A whole bunch of people here never got their license, apparently. So, sorry, you put your hands down. Let me just say, this is a side note. This is for free. Uh, you know how, like, when we worship through music, we're, like, raising our hands, we're clapping, we're cheering? Like, we can do that during the message, too, believe it or not. And actually, it is a whole lot more fun for everybody for you to respond. Do you hear that? Yeah, so here's the deal. And here, this is the thing, too. When we're worshiping, you raise your hands. What that does is that frees people up around you to raise their hands and engage. So same thing during the message. If you see, hear something, you're like, man, that's good. Even if I say it and it's bad and you're like, that was bad, but we need to help him think that was good. You can go ahead and respond. Even South Campus, it doesn't matter. You can respond because what that will do is it will free up people around you to respond as well. And who wants to be able to help people with that? 
Now, we want to help people with that. So that was for free. So remember back when you got your license, right? And you got freedom and you were so excited about the newfound freedom that you had. I remember my mom was teaching me how to drive. And moms and dads teach kids how to drive very different, at least in my house. And my mom, I was literally, I was backing up the car for the first time. And she's like, stop. My mom would always like grab the door handle. Y'all had the mom that did that. My dad would actually roll the window down and hang his hand outside the car. And we'd back him, he'd slap the side of the car to make it sound like we hit something to scare us. See, moms and dads teach very differently. You need both of them. And so my mom would freak out. And I'm like, mom, I know what I'm doing. And she's like, this is literally the first time you've driven a car. Like, you don't know what you're doing. But you get all this freedom. But then pretty soon you realize and you learn uh, the, the science behind automobiles that apparently cars run on this stuff called gasoline. And you need this stuff called money to buy said gasoline to get your car to go places. So you got all this freedom of a license, but you don't got any money. What do you need? You need a job. And then you realize pretty quickly, if you are not controlling your schedule and controlling yourself to get your butt to work on time to do your job, you're not, if you don't have control over that, you lose your job, which means you lose your way to make money, which means you lose your way to buy gasoline, which means you lose your freedom. Right? And this is reality. If you want freedom in one area of life, it requires control in another. But what happens for so many of us is we feel hopeless and helpless about control. And we feel like everyone's controlling things all around us. I need to have control of something. But what we have to do, though, is we have to be wise to fight back to have control of things that actually matter. Because a lot of times, if we're honest, we fight for control of things that don't matter that much. And today we're going to start off this new series talking about fighting to have control over things that grow inside of us, our personal growth. You might say, that sounds really weird. Like, of course I'm going to be growing. And, and that's true. You, you are growing. All of us are growing in, in some ways. But we need to focus and fight for control over our growth because what grows in us will have control over us. And sadly, there's a lot of us that we have things that are toxic growing in us. We have habits, we have patterns of thinking that are, honestly, if we look down far in life, like they're going to destroy us. And that's why we have to be conscious, we have to be aware, we have to be alert and say, I'm going to fight to have control over things that could control me. And I'm going to fight to have control over the things that are growing inside of me because nobody wants to be a GOP. That's a grumpy old person. Some of y'all got nervous. You're like, is that that political thing? Like, what kind of church is this? Like, I didn't know what we're doing here. We're not that kind of church, okay? Grumpy old person, right? We all know that. Don't look around in the room, but you've seen them. You know them. Here's the truth. Like, no one ever set out to be a grumpy old person. But what happened is, over time, things that grew in them controlled the way they behaved, and now they're spraying kids walking on their lawn, But they never intended to be there. It's just they didn't have control over what was growing in them. And what was in them eventually controlled them. And you don't want to be that. And I don't want to be that. And this is why if we are followers of Jesus, really, we don't get an option on this. Like when you said yes to Jesus, you got security in the Father's hands. You said yes, you turn and trust. Like God loves you. You are saved. But also now you're God's representation on the earth. And if you say you're a follower of Jesus, it means you, you kind of have to follow Jesus, right? It's like saying you're a vegetarian but not following a vegetarian diet. It just doesn't make sense. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just illogical, right? So if you're a follower of Jesus, really, like, you, you kind of have to do this. 
And the thing that we're talking about, controlling your growth, you really need to focus on this. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, don't even worry about it. But what I tell you is you try it out. Because here's the thing. If you look through the life of Jesus, Jesus had a do-first religion, not a believe-first religion. Jesus goes around, he finds people, he's walking around, the early people, he's like, hey, you guys come follow me and try to do stuff I'm telling you to do. Because as you do things that I'm telling you to do, you're going to see it work out and you're going to go, maybe there's more to what this guy's saying. Maybe he's different than other people. He didn't hold out a doctrinal statement and say, can you sign this in order to follow me and believe everything and go through my six-week course and when you believe everything, then you can follow me. So if you're unsure about what you believe, that's a great place to start. And what I tell you is, just try stuff out. Because what is the worst that happens? Like you, you just go back to exactly how you are right now and maybe you feel like you're doing really good. So that's not such of a bad thing. But think, if you try and you grow and things get better for you, there might be actually some truth to what the claims of Jesus are. And I would tell you, if you're investigating faith, truly investigate it and try it out. Today we're going to look at two letters. There's a letter to an individual and then a letter to a church. I think both are important because one is personal and one is corporate. And we need to understand personal growth, but also corporate growth, how we can do things together. See, the first letter we're going to look at was to this guy named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a young dude uh, living in a city called Ephesus. He's overseen several churches. And this guy, Paul, his mentor, his spiritual father in a lot of ways, uh, was writing him letters to tell him how to lead. How should you do things? And how can you be a good leader, a good pastor? Because young dudes leading stuff like you don't know much of anything, right? And I can say that with pretty much a lot of confidence because I'm a young dude leading stuff. And I need some older guys around me helping me understand and lead well, right? So, so Paul writes this letter to Timothy telling him, hey, here's how to grow. And as you read the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and to Titus, another guy, it's so much of it is focused on internal character. It's not like, hey, here's how to deliver a great message. It's like, the, here's the person you need to be to lead effectively, not all the tasks that you have to do to lead something. And that's massively important, because this is what Paul tells Timothy, and we're going to jump right into 1 Timothy. He says, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. And nobody got time for that. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, Paul focuses on Timothy saying, hey, you got to look at the inside because don't we all tend to focus on the outside? Like, like is it just me or like, I want to be skinny. I don't necessarily care about being healthy, right? Like, I could just not eat anything. I saw this a couple years ago. These, these women leading up to their wedding day actually would have these like IV bags on them and get a feeding tube through their nose so they could drop weight to fit in their wedding dress. Like they're just trying to look good. They're not trying to be healthy because that's probably anything but healthy, right? And all of us, and this is where I think especially young guys, like, yo, young guys, you love looking swole, right? And this is basically what Paul is telling, telling Timothy is don't get swole without checking your soul. That's some good preaching, okay? Like, I worked all week on that. Come on, people. But here's the deal. I tell you guys every time we're going to have fun in church, and if you're here for the first time, you're going to see I, I really mean that. I don't lie when I speak, Okay. Here's the deal. Young guys particularly, you go and you get that gym membership, and what do you work out? You work out your arms, your shoulders, and your chest. Why? Because that's the moneymaker. You want to look good in a tank top? You want to be going to the beach? Now, for me, like, I didn't have big arms and shoulders and stuff, but I do have one thing going for me, and I have, I shouldn't tell you guys this because you're going to tease me about it, but I have great calves. 
That's actually what got Rachel interested in me. I was walking around campus in the shorts, boom, boom. And she's like, baby got calf. Like, she likes big calves. And she cannot lie. And it, run, it runs in my family. Like, my dad legitimately has been stopped outside of gyms by people, like, exercise gyms. And people will stop and go, like, oh, I'm sorry. This is probably weird, but you have massive calves. The other day, actually this past week, one of my coworkers was like, man, look at those calves. Like, this is the deal. Young dudes love looking good on the outside. We love to be strong. We love to be muscular. We're also not that concerned on the inside a lot of times. And what Paul is telling Timothy is, Timothy, don't look good on the outside and miss what matters most. You got to focus on the inside. You got to grow your character. See, and he also doesn't say that physical training is not valuable. He just says it's not as valuable because physical training, honestly, is incredibly valuable because it will prolong your life and give you more ability to do more things in life. We need to care for our bodies. It's incredibly important that we care for our bodies, but we cannot forsake caring for our souls because our bodies are temporary and our souls are eternal. So when I care for my soul, I have a massive, large, incredible impact later in life and later into eternity. And we should also care not simply for the external actions of people and the behaviors of people. We should care for their souls. And I can't see your soul. And that's why Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, this is on you, dude. Like, I can't grow for you. You can't grow for your kids either. This is where even with Paul and Timothy, they have a a father-son relationship spiritually. And Paul did not say, I'm just going to grow a whole lot and I'm going to handle everything. And my spiritual son, Timothy, he can kind of do whatever he wants. I'm going to hope that my own growth, my own faith will cover him. Really, it's like, dude, this is on you. This is on every single one of us. And he goes on, he says, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Like you got to believe this, that this is why we labor and strive, because we've put our hope in the living God, who's the Savior of all people, and especially for those who believe. The word here for strive is actually where we get the word agonize. So we're agonizing over this, we're focusing on this, we're struggling, we're, we're really intentional about our internal growth. Why? Because it benefits us and it benefits people around us. Like, you got to be focused. And here's, here's a question I have for you, is what are you most focused on growing in your life? Because our hope is revealed in our habits. And if my hope is in eternity with God, that's going to show up in my habits. So what are you focused on growing most in your life? For some of us, it's external things and things that are not bad. Just like physical training is not a bad thing, but it doesn't have the same impact as godliness and spiritual health. Like financial health is an incredibly powerful thing. You need to be financially secure and stable. I think honestly, this is a side note, we'll talk about this later probably. I think if more of God's people were financially stable and secure and handling finances in a healthy way, we could see God do incredible things because we would have money to give to things. A lot of you want to give to stuff, you're just strapped and you don't have money to give. So like those things are incredible, but it all comes back to spiritual, internal, the inner person. How are you doing there? And it's all individual and your responsibility. Then he tells him, after he tells him to live this way and to focus on things, then he finally gets the command and teach these things. It's you got to live it first before you talk about it. 
Because talk is cheap, and anybody can write something and get up and give something, but if you haven't lived it out, people are going to get close to you, and they're pretty soon they're going to see that you're not who you say you are. You might be good on a stage, but you're not good in their face-to-face conversation. And for Paul, he's telling Timothy, you got to be good with people because people matter most. He tells him, teaching you, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. So until I come, devote yourselves to the public, reading the scripture, to preaching and to teaching, do not neglect the gift which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. See, again, it's the focus is on the internal things that he has. Yeah, it's speech and it's conduct, but it's also purity and it's also faith. Like, you got to focus on the inside because what is inside of you will eventually control you. But then also, this is something that we, we can't skip over here. Verse 14 says, don't neglect the what is the thing he's not supposed to neglect. It's a gift. See, and even you, you read this passage, it talks about how the elders laid hands. That sounds kind of strange for us because we don't really lay hands on people in that way anymore. And, and kind of the context of what this was is the Jesus movement started in Jerusalem and they kind of spread out all over the world. And, and Paul and Timothy, they're going out to non-Jewish people in cities that are not Jewish and they're sharing the message of Jesus, which again, if you're questioning your faith, I'd say do stuff, like try stuff, but also look to the, the start of Christianity being in Jerusalem because that's the city Jesus was crucified and killed. In, and if the leader is murdered in a city, and in that same city, a movement starts saying our leader is resurrected from the dead, and he's powerful, people who were now cowards are now courageous, like that has some value to it. It might not be everything, but it's definitely something. So as this Jesus movement is growing, and they're going out to cities, they're going out to cities, like they didn't have technology to like call someone to check their credentials. And they didn't have, like, they didn't, wouldn't roll up and be like, see, actually, I'm sent from Jerusalem. You can check my papers, and I'm actually good to go. Like, because anyone could forge anything. And, and if I showed up into Ephesus where Timothy was, I could be like, hey, I'm actually a leader. And I, you know, I, I have great hair, so people are going to follow me, right? <laughs> but here's the deal. If I'm there and Timothy's there, it's one of us has power and one of us does not. And one of us is legitimate and one of us is not. So the way in the early church, the way it was shown who actually was legit was they would have power and they actually could lay hands and give people power. Because this is going to get real awkward real fast if I say I have power and then you say, okay, can you show me the power and I can't do anything. Right? So even with this, this is Paul saying, Timothy, you've been called, you've been given a gift, and you have the power of God in that city, and that is why you shouldn't let people look down on you because you're young. Not because you're talented, not because you're good at stuff that we value in that context, but because you have been given the power and the calling of God on your life, and you need to step into that calling and exercise the gifts God's called you to give, but you also have to watch your life. Because if you're not pure and you don't have good speech and you're not caring for people and you don't have these other things listed here, like that's going to be a problem. But Timothy's not the only one with gifts. Actually, every single one of us, we have gifts that are given to us. Scripture teaches when we trust Jesus, when we turn and trust Jesus, we receive security, but we also receive a source of gifts from the Spirit of God. And this is why we were God's representatives on the earth. And every single one of us have spiritual gifts. Now, yours aren't mine, and mine might not be yours, but we all have a unique gift. And this is what I say is we have to focus on growing those gifts in us. And I think that's a a huge problem, if I can be honest and straight with you, in the North American churches. We don't understand we have gifts, so we don't use them. And then we're not fulfilled. 
You guys are warming up a little bit. This is good. This is good. Again, it frees other people. So, so here's the deal. When you use your gifts, you are fulfilled. Jesus went and he actually living life. He was serving people and his followers came to him one day and he, they left him by a well and he was ministering to this lady and loving on her. And then they come back here and they got food for him because they went into town to get food. And they come back, hey, we got food. And he said, I'm not even hungry. They said, why aren't you hungry? He said, because my food is to do the will and the work of the one who sent me. See, when you are doing the work and the will of God, you're going to be satisfied. And this is, if I can be straight with you, as a pastor, I get this every once in a while. It's people coming to our church, people leaving our church. It's not unique to us. But people will leave a church because they go, well, I'm just not being fed. And my question to you, like, are you connected and serving and giving? Because Jesus wasn't being fed by some dude standing up in a synagogue teaching. And Jesus wasn't expecting to feed people by exercising his gifts. It was you exercise your gifts. That is how you will be fed. That's how you will receive. And it's not up to me to feed you. Like, I need to use my gifts. I need to do things. We have tremendous staff and bridge builders. But this is the deal. And this is hard for me sometimes because, like, I would love to help you grow. I'd love for, like, the small group leaders with my kids and your kids and velocity leaders. We would love to help people grow and grow for people. It honestly breaks our hearts when we have stories of students that go and they walk away from Jesus after they leave a ministry because they didn't really want anything to do with him, maybe, or whatever the reason might be. We, go, Man, we wish we could keep them, but it's not up to us to feed them. It's up to you to feed yourself, and you can. That's the powerful thing. You can. And I've seen this true several times over, is people will say, I'm not fed, but also what happens is people, uh, they stop serving, and that's their first step before they leave. Because they stop exercising their gifts, and they're not invested in this. And here's what I say. I get to center point's not for everybody, and I'm okay with that, and we are okay with that. We really believe, like, there's a larger church. There's several churches in our area starting right now that we are excited about. These churches that are preaching Jesus, that are starting literally down the street. Bloomingdale High School starting a new church. There's Bayside's coming in over in Riverview. Like, we are excited about churches that teach the gospel and the good news of Jesus. It is not just about us. That is so nearsighted and blind to think that. Go wherever you need to go, but be all there the whole time you're there. And use your gifts. Do not neglect your gifts. And if you're feeling malnourished spiritually, it may be because you're not active in your faith. But this is the, the incredible thing is, like, Paul is commanding this. And if we're commanded, it means that we can do it. Because it doesn't make any sense to command you to do something you have no power to do. So then Paul goes on to, to Timothy says, tell them to be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you can do this, you're going to save yourself and those who hear you. This term progress actually is from a Greek word where we uh, get this idea of pioneer advancement. It's a military term. I mean, like they're going ahead, they're clearing the way, they're move, removing obstacles, they're removing barriers for the army to come behind them. And this sounds a whole lot like our church's mission and strategy and vision and our heartbeat, which is to tear away every unnecessary barrier to connect people to Jesus. And, and here's the deal. When you progress in your faith, you remove barriers for people to accept faith. 
And when you take steps, because what happens is people associate with you and say, man, they're a young mom and they got kids and they get like, life is crazy for them, but they're still able to take steps of growth or they're, man, they're retired and like everyone else is kind of pushing them to the side and they don't have anything to offer, but they found out they have a lot to offer and they're serving God in an incredible way. Man, like they have a horrible story and they went through an ugly divorce and like I went through an ugly divorce and they're able to grow and progress. And because they're able to, then I think I could do it too. See, your growth is your responsibility, but you're not the only one who benefits from your growth. And when you go and you take steps of growth, when you fight for control of your growth, it benefits you and the people around you. It benefits you and your kids. It benefits you and your coworkers. It benefits you and your classmates. But also, in order to lead people and to be able to do that, you have to be growing. See, a lot of us, especially, I think this is, this is kind of personal for me, because again, I'm a young dude, and Timothy's a young dude, Right? Like, young guys, young people, we love leading stuff, don't we? Like, we got all the answers. We're going to figure it out. Right? If you're older, you can, like, clap about that. That's okay. You can be like, yeah, y'all think you know stuff. Actually, that might be bad. That might be divisive. So let's not do that, okay? We don't want to divide things in church. But here's the deal. Paul is telling Timothy, focus on character. And you need to be growing because you have to grow before you can give stuff. You can't pass on what you don't possess. And you need to pass on the most important things, which is character and eternal things. Here's the deal, even for, for me talking with, with some guys, we have some people in our ministry that I get to talk with, and one guy, uh, he came, he got to speak at Velocity, and he's done it a few times. Like, I get to sit down and talk with him about, hey, how do you write a message? Let's talk through that. But here's the deal. The most important thing that I can give him is not how to practically write a message. It's how to live a message and how to show people through your character. And this is the thing I'm still trying to learn to do. All of us are still trying to learn to do. And this is why it's not perfection comes before giving. It's growth. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you do need to have some things figured out to lead people. And we see this is incredibly important in two key areas. It's your life and your doctrine. Your life is basically like your life, your character, how you interact, what things you do, who you are. See, doctrine is all the stuff that you know. A question to see if you're living out the life God's called you to live in, if you have sound living, is do the people closest to you respect you the most? Like your children, your spouse, people you live with, your roommate, your, who are your classmates, your best friends, do they respect you more than the people who barely know you or do you get a lot of respect from afar but no respect up close? You look nice from afar but you're far from nice. Right? And this is where for all of us we got to watch our life and our doctrine because if we just simply know a lot of stuff, you know what happens? Like scripture says knowledge puffs up. I say, this is going to make you a smart weenie. And nobody likes theological weenies. Someone that knows all the stuff, they always got all the answers. Like, I don't want any part of that. And here's the deal. Knowing a bunch of stuff will make you smart, but actually living it out is what makes you wise and what makes you attractive to people to come and to gain wisdom from. You got to watch your life and your doctrine. And, and a question also to think through about, man, I want to grow, but I'm not sure. Like, can I do this? Should I do this? Like, Question to ask yourself, whose life would be different if you focused on growing your character and godliness? Like, who in your life would be different if you focus and said, I'm not going to focus on the external things. I'm going to focus on internal things. I'm going to learn how to be a person of character and godly character because I'm God's representatives on this earth. So I need to live like that. I need to show people how good God is. For some of us, like, that would, your kid that's about to go wayward, that's about to leave, and this is, again, where this is, like, 
free parenting thing. I don't got the whole parenting thing figured out at all. Trust me. But here's the deal. For some of you, you focusing so much on the external things with your kid's spiritual life and not focusing on character is going to cause them to walk away from Jesus because they never walked to Jesus in the first place. You're going to get woken up to a horrible reality when your child has the ability to choose what they actually want to choose and they choose the things that they have been choosing in their heart the whole time but not with their hands because they knew they would be rejected by you with their hands if they chose those things. They're going to walk away from a faith that they never claimed to believe in the first place. But we were so focused as parents of do the right things all the time instead of believe the right things and have the right things inside of you. So parents, you've got to focus on parenting the inner child and teaching the inner child. And lead the inner child to Jesus and be okay when they don't believe in Jesus. Like my kids, I want them to believe in Jesus. They can tell you all the things from their small group time, but like they don't believe in Jesus at all. And I know that. And we pray that they will believe in Jesus soon. Because they need him, but I need to help them understand they need him and they can't just obey their way to him. So whose life would be different if you focus on this? But then also, like, think practically. Okay, so we know we need to grow. We understand life and doctrine, get all that. Like, what are the practical things? Like, if you're like me, I'm like, I want a list. Give me a list of what I need to do. Peter actually gives us a list. He wrote this to an early church. And he said, this is kind of what you need to do. He says this in his second letter. He says, for this reason. So if you always want to figure out what the reason is, just hit rewind a little bit. You go back to the beginning of this letter. He's writing about the hope that we have in Christ in eternity always points to hope. Whenever we talk about growth, it always points to hope. The reason make how many efforts? I'm sorry, I did not hear you that time. I love you, but come on, speak up, people. How many efforts? Every Every effort to add to your faith. Now, it sounds weird to add things to faith sometimes. Because they say, hey, you believe in Jesus, you believe, and that's enough, and that is enough. It's enough for you to enter a relationship with Jesus, but it's not enough for you to live out that relationship with the people around you. Because what happens is you step into faith, you say yes to Jesus, and that is all grace of God. It's grace alone through faith alone. You can't add anything to it. The reason that God accepts me and loves me is because I trust in Jesus. End of story. That is faith. We also have to walk it out, and we need to add things to our faith. Because what happens is, Scripture actually talks about when we turn and trust Jesus, we become uh, someone that has a new life. And we have a new life. That means you're a baby. Now, I don't know how much you all have been around babies, but babies don't know anything. Like, for I went, we got to go out last week, and we got to see uh, Nicole and Brian's baby, baby Case. And we got to go see him. I'm like, looking at him. He doesn't do anything. Dude just lays there. I'm like, like, I don't want to ask, but like, Nicole, is something wrong with the dude? Like, he doesn't do anything. He can't sit up. He can't, but here's the deal. And I know I have kids, so I've been there before. I'm just being funny about it. But he's like, babies don't know anything. Our, our second daughter, she came early. They didn't think she knew how to, like, suck, swallow, breathe at the same time. So it was like, we're going to try to feed her and hope she doesn't choke to death. Because she didn't know anything. You know what? That's okay. Because we don't expect babies to know anything. And if you're a baby in Jesus, if you've just turned and trusted Jesus, you have new life. You shouldn't, honestly, you shouldn't know everything. You should have a whole bunch of questions. You should be like, man, I'm, I, like, I feel weird asking this question, but like, and that's totally okay. And there's stories of people, they cuss in prayer, and they don't know how to talk to God. And doing, why? Because they don't know things. And that's okay. But just like with a physical baby, if they don't grow, you'd probably say there's something wrong that caused for concern. In the same way, spiritually, we should be in community and connected with people and say, 
you have new life in Christ, but you're not growing, you're not adding anything to your faith, that should be cause for concern. And we should talk with you and love you and not give you a laundry list of things to do. But to come by you while you're doing your laundry and just hang out. Because I'm watching my life and my doctrine. And if, if you're in my house, I hope you see how I treat my wife. That's why I have young dudes come over my house all the time as much as I can. And we're going to do it even more. We want people in our house. Why? Because I don't want to just talk to you in an academic sense. I want you to come over to my house. I want to see the way that you watch the way I parent my kids when I blow it, not when I do good. Like, I want you to see how my wife and I interact. I want to see you to see how we pray as a family. I want to see how things go on where it's real life and you need to be with people. If you're spiritually a baby, you can take steps of growth. And that's thing that's powerful is you get to choose to do that. You're able to do that. And the difference between people who grow and change and people who don't is really simple. They just choose to. Now, now, real life, real talk, you don't have control over all your circumstances, but you do have control over your choices. And you might be in a bad circumstance. You might be like, oh, you don't know my story. I don't know your story, but have you chosen differently? Because if we're honest, the reason you got to where you're at some of the time, not all the time, but some of the time is because you had a bad plan and you had no plan. And you can choose a different plan. And when you believe, you can actually do things. The mind is a powerful thing. When you believe, you can do stuff. And when you don't believe, you won't do stuff. You can't do stuff. A lot of you have heard of the story. Uh, they made it a movie a couple years ago. There's a book written about it. His name is uh, Louis Zamperini. The, the movie was called Unbroken. He's a, a prisoner of war. He spent like 40-something days out in the water. And then the Japanese got him. He was a prisoner of war. But before that happened, he was actually an Olympic athlete like a track star, did crazy in high school, crazy in college. And actually in 1938, he set the collegiate record by running a mile in four minutes and eight seconds. Like, that's fast. Like, I wish I could run a mile in double that time. I'd be happy with that. But what happened, though, is it's like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. Like, four minutes. And then there was this, this myth that kind of got out. It was like the four-minute like the four-minute mile barrier. Like no one can run a mile in under four minutes. It's, it's impossible. And doctors even came out saying it's actually physically, anatomically impossible. Like if you tried, when you crossed the finish line, your heart would explode because you are not able to do that. And everyone just kind of accepted it and just believed it and just, yeah, the doctor said, like, we can't do it, so we're just not doing it. And no one thought they could. And this guy... Roger Bannister actually thought he could. And he, he crossed the finish line and his heart exploded. I'm just kidding, that did not happen. <laughs> Some of you were like, this story's really bad. Like, I was ready for him. He was like, told you all, I told you, I do not lie. We will have fun in church. We want you to learn. We want you to have fun. So Roger Bannister, he began training because he said, I'm going to change this and I am going to do something no one's ever done before. I'm going to choose to do the incredibly difficult work to grow, to change something. It was not easy. But in May of 1954, he broke the world record and he broke the world's mind at the same time when he ran a mile in three minutes and 59.3 seconds. Now here's the thing that's powerful. Remember, your growth is your responsibility, but it benefits the people around you. In the next 46 days, 22 other times, his record got broken. And then since 1954, over 1,400 male athletes have ran a sub-four-minute mile. And now, the, that time, 
is a standard for male professional running athletes. His growth was on his shoulders, but it did not just benefit him. He paved the way. He made it possible for other people to believe and go, if he can do it, I think I can do that. And the same is true for you spiritually. You might say, I don't think I can do that. I'm not sure. And then you look up and you see someone that you could associate with. You go, man, you have a similar story as me. That's why we got to share our stories. And not just our good stories. we got to share our bad, ugly stories. Because you find freedom and people find freedom around you. And they'll look at me and go, man, if they change, if they could do it, I can do it too. And I want to go get close to them because I want to understand how God has worked in their life because I want God to work in my life. And that's why as a church, we got to get huddled up in community groups and be all around people and connect with people to talk to people about how good God has been in the darkest times, not just the bright times of life. So what are the things we have to add to our faith Peter lays this out, write this down, goodness and a goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and self-control, perseverance and perseverance. Do you all got that so far? You're writing that down, right? Perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. See, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. For me, I like to think of growth as like an A to B kind of trajectory. It's all up and to the right. Like, I'm just growing. I just like, set my mind and I just knock one off and knock one off. And I don't, honestly, I don't think that's the, what Peter's telling us here. He's not telling us, like, work on goodness. And once you get goodness done, then you move on to knowledge. And once you know everything, right, then you can move on to self-control. Once you are totally self-controlled, you can, no. I think this, instead of a line, like a linear line of growth, growth, honestly, more often than not, is a web of things coming together and it's highs and it's lows. Because here's the deal. How good are you going to be able to love someone if you don't have the knowledge on how to love somebody? And how much are you going to learn perseverance if you don't have self-control to have control of yourself as you persevere through the difficult thing? And how are you going to have goodness in your life if you're not having mutual affection, love, brotherly love for people around you? Like These are not a A, B, C progression. These are all together in a junk drawer of spiritual growth. And you're just grabbing things and learning and growing things at the same time. And as you do this, what happens is you become effective and productive. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate wasting time. Like it is the, honestly, it's probably one of my biggest pet peeves because when I waste time, I lose it forever. I never get that time back. And it's one of my most valuable, if not my most valuable resource. And none of us want to waste our life. No one wants to throw away years or months of their life. And what Peter is telling us is if you want to impact people and as you want to grow and make a difference, you add these things to your life. And as you add them to your life, they're going to make you effective and productive. Because that's the goal for us. You might say, man, it's completely overwhelming. And it is overwhelming. And that's why we point back to the beginning of this chapter where he talks about the hope we have in Jesus. Anytime you get overwhelmed with spiritual growth or spiritual things, just point and look back to Jesus. He simplifies it a whole bunch for us. I can't do this. Can you love God and love people? Because like, if I can love God and love people effectively, like, I'm going to have all these things in my life. And some of these, like, i got to focus on them, right? And so if there are things in this list, you go, I do need to work on that. And I would agree, you probably really do need to work on that, but it's always pointing back to the hope we have. And you're not grinding your way to God. You get a gift to bring you to God, and then you, from having that relationship with God, you get to go out and add things to your faith. And then what happens if we don't have these things? Because there's a positive and a negative. If you have these, you won't be ineffective and you're going to be productive. But if you don't have them, 
It says here in verse 9, you're going to be nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. We're going to talk about that in a second, because I think that's powerful and important for us to look at. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, a lot of us, the, the thing that's holding us back is we're afraid that if we try, we won't succeed. I tell you, like, I'm not trying to be like corny motivational speaker, but like the truest failure is to never try. Because again, what, what's the worst thing that happens? You try to grow in goodness and it doesn't work out for you. You just try again tomorrow. Because it, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on God working in you. And that's where you see in this passage, it talks about making every effort to confirm your calling and election. God has chosen you. And if he's called you and chosen you, then he has the power to save you. And if he's saved you, he's going to carry you through your growth. And so we need to look to Jesus and we need to understand how good God has been to us because when we understand how good he's been to us, then we can look to him and say, man, I'm trying to grow, but I'm not sure. And this is the thing I know for me is a lot of times I understand the, the theological thoughts of, I understand the theological thoughts of salvation where like I trust Jesus, he takes my sin, and I have his, his goodness, and I, I understand that, and I understand the security, but I don't feel the security. This is reality is, is professing your faith in Christ makes you secure, but then progressing in your faith is what gives you assurance, and that's what you need. Because you don't feel saved because you're not acting like a person that is saved, and you're not growing your spiritual life in a way that someone who has Jesus. See, acts, like actions and things that you're doing, that doesn't make you closer to God. To be honest, it puts more of God on my heart and mind. It gets me thinking about things that God is thinking about. And for, in order for us to grow, we got to look to Jesus and we got to think about the assurance, the fact. That's where even here it talks about this passage of you're being forgetting that you're cleansed from your sins. I can tell you from my experience and people that I know, the time that I struggle with feeling saved, the time I struggle the most with assurance is when I'm struggling with sin. Because that's when the enemy comes in and he tells you things like, like God made a mistake choosing you. God doesn't really care that much about you, and you obviously don't care about God, or you wouldn't do that. And what we have to understand about growth is growth is never put on by shame. Because shame is a horrible motivator. So when you're feeling shame in order to grow, you've got to look at the source of that and say, I'm not going to take that. But when we understand that grace is the motivator, man, you know what, I did mess up. You know what's so good? God knew I was going to mess up even when he saved me and called me and chose me. So he, he knew I was going to mess up. And it doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that it's no big deal. It doesn't mean that I just get to walk and get to do whatever I want. Because if you walk and do whatever you want, I question if you love the one who saved you. Because if I love someone, I want to be with them in community. I want to act the way that they would act. I want to have that relationship with them. And if I don't care at all about how I act, I really honestly would say you should probably should question the relationship. See, this is where we need to think about how we can add things to our faith and focus on taking steps of growth because growth is happening in our lives. Like all of us are growing in some way. The question is, are you growing in the right things? Because they, those things will control you. You know, as you're thinking about growing, like some really practical things, because a lot of us, like you can hear something, you're like, man, just break it down for me. Give me A, B, C. I'm not going to give you A, B, C, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to help you understand practically how does growth happen? See, growth happens when you have these three things, when you have knowledge, when you get experience, and when you have coaching. 
Some of you legitimately, you don't know anything about the scriptures. You're like, why do we have the big numbers and the little numbers? I don't know who these people are, all these things. Like, why is it all these different? Like, you don't know anything. Can I tell you, that's totally fine. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know anything. Honestly, it's a really good place to start not knowing anything because you can just study just about anything and learn stuff. But we need to add knowledge. We need to learn things. And, and for, for some of us, like, it's difficult because we go, man, I can't learn things. The Bible is just too complicated for me. Here's the deal. Can I just be straight with you? You're going to go buy something new on Amazon. You research five different ways to get that thing and figure exactly the best deal for you, the best thing. And you're, you're trying to research a vacuum. And you're like, man, you're going to find the best vacuum for your dollar on Amazon, aren't you? If you apply the same diligence in studying what vacuums are going to work that you study and put some same, same principles even into scripture, you're going to learn all sorts of stuff. One thing I would say, write this down. This would be incredibly helpful for you. There's the Bible Project. Look up the Bible Project on YouTube. You find all sorts of videos. Honestly, when I write a message, that's usually where I start. I would go to YouTube, find the Bible Project about the book that I'm going to talk from because it gives you a seven to eight minute summary of the whole book of the Bible. And this is like, I went, I paid money, I went to school, I got a degree in my office, it's great. I still, I don't remember all that stuff. I need to add some knowledge so I can actually understand what this is talking about. So that's a great resource. Go and check it out. There's so many resources, podcasts, there's YouVersion Bible. I mean, like, legitimately so many things you can learn, but you need to add knowledge in order to grow. But also, you got to add experience because it's not just about knowing stuff. It's about doing stuff. So if I know a bunch of stuff, I become a Pharisee and I become someone who's convinced that my intellect is power over people. And I try to get people to do what I think that they should do because I know a bunch of stuff. But here's what happens and what I've seen is so true. When I have strong opinions about people and their negative opinions, generally I don't know those people and I don't do those things. But when I get some experience with those people, whatever it might be, with that group, with whatever, whoever it might be, when I get some experience around some people, I actually learn things. Because experience will make you wise. But it's not just about doing stuff. you got to get coaching to make sure you're doing the right things. And you're doing those things well. Or you get in relationship with some people and you go, hey, can you help me with this? I'm just trying to work through this thing. I'm not sure about this. Someone that I, I love their coaching attitude and spirit is our student pastor, Isaiah. Dudes at South Campus right now, dude, I love you. I'm so proud of you. You are called and gifted, and you are growing in incredible ways. We love you. Do not question the gift. Do not neglect it. Get your butt to work, Isaiah. See, I get the privilege. We work together, and I get to coach him in things in ministry and talk to him. I don't know everything. That's why I got coaches I go to, and I ask them questions. I gain wisdom and insight from them. And here's the deal. I don't always like what my coaches tell me, and he doesn't always like what I tell him, but we're engaged in coaching relationships. Why? Because we don't want to waste our lives. Because we want to be effective. We want to be productive. In order to do that, I need to know the right things. I need to do the right things. I need to get with the right people. So your first step for some of you, you're like, okay, where, where do I start? How do I get things going? The first step is you got to get into community. That sounds weird. You're like, shouldn't I go take some tests? Shouldn't I go do something? There's got to be something. No. You get into community because one of the most powerful things for you to fight for control over your growth is not a resolution. It's not more information. It's a relationship. It's not knowing the right stuff. It's knowing the right people. You got to get around some people and you got to sit down with them and understand who they are and they understand who you are and you can share with them and they can share with you and you can begin to say, like, like real honest, like, I don't, I don't read the Bible at all. I'm horrible about reading the Bible. I just need to learn how to read the Bible. And then you can sit in a circle with people and they can go, I'm bad at reading the Bible too, me too. And someone go, I'm not great at it, but I read the Bible a couple times a week and you can connect with them and then you can grow and learn together. You need to get into community. 
Second thing you got to do, and this, this is a powerful thing, do not miss this, is you got to make it fun. You got to make it enjoyable. For whatever reason, whenever we think about disciplines and growing, we think about grinding out something and being difficult. And it's all oh, like, like if you think about even if I say, hey, you should start exercising this week, what are you going to think about? You're going to think about the thing you hate to do. I don't want to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning. I want to run out there and I gotta, I want to get hit by a car. I don't, I, like, maybe you hate running. Maybe you love being with people. Maybe you hate getting up in the morning. Like, why can't a dance class count as exercise? Like, like, why can't walking with your dog or your kids count as exercise? Why do you, we go to the most difficult things? Like, I got to do that thing. No, if you want to finish things, if you want to get things done, you got to make it fun. There's a guy, John Acuff, wrote a book called Finish. He wrote entire chapters about this idea of, like, you have to make it enjoyable. In order for you to grow spiritually, it's not unspiritual to have fun. Is it even with our kids' ministry, with our student ministry, I tell people all the time, we want to be as serious about fun as we are about the Bible and as serious about the Bible as we are about fun. It is a travesty to send kids away from church being bored but teaching them two or three things. Because here's the deal. They're going to learn that church is boring and not for them. I want kids in our church to understand it is fun and it is life-giving. We have adults that are around here that care for you and that love you and want to help you understand these things. And Jesus cares for you. And one of the good things he gave us is a sense of humor and fun. So if you want to grow, you have to make it fun or just reality, you're not going to do it. The last thing is for some of you, what you need to do is you need to get into one of our lifestyle groups. And you're going to hear about this more and more. They're actually launching this Tuesday night. Our lifestyle groups are launching three groups, and they're specifically around topics that people, a lot of people in our gathering need to grow and need to take steps towards growth. And the first of our lifestyle groups, all three meet South Campus, Tuesday, 630 to 830. The first group is, is called Financial Peace University. Now, these are, these are groups they are still getting with people. You're still going to get connected. You're still going to meet people, but they have a more uh, classroom format. Not all of our groups are that way, but this you're still going to get connected, but you're going to learn things together. Financial Peace University is a class all about money things, and I'll emphasize it's financial peace. So many of us, we don't have peace around finances. It's anything but peaceful. Average American spends over a dollar for every dollar they make, and 70% of people or more are living paycheck to paycheck. That's not peace. That's not freedom. What's going to happen is you try to live that way of freedom, you're going to be controlled by other things, and we want to empower people of God to handle resources the way God has told us to handle them so that we can do the things of God with our resources. I said, my wife and I, we went through this class about five years ago. I said, we don't like, and we're not, like, perfect at all, but we don't fight about money stuff. And, and can I tell you, according to, to some studies, the number one cause of divorce in America is money problems and money fights. Now, for some of you, this will save your marriage. Like, legitimately save your marriage, because you're going to learn how to work a plan, how to have a dream, have a goal together, and communicate and work things. And you need to get some peace around your finances, because can you imagine the work that we could do for the kingdom of God if we were free and able to use our resources in the way we want to? Again, a lot of us, it's the desires that we want to give, we just legitimately, we don't have any money because we tied our money up on all these other things. But we got to learn how to gain control back over that and to have control over the growth, particularly with our finances. The other lifestyle group we're going to launch is called our Leadership Institute. This is a brand new thing that we're launching. 
And this is for anybody and everybody in our gathering that thinks you might be a leader, is questioning if you're a leader, wants to grow in leadership. We're going to talk about leadership in the context of a local church, but also have things that apply outside of the church. And we're going to sit down for eight weeks and we're going to talk through leadership and help people understand, like, some of us have been gifted with leadership and we need to use that gift. We want to sit down with some incredible leaders. I like to sit down with some of these guys and they have legitimately, they've been leading in a high capacity longer than I've even been alive. And it's funny because we're sitting around these guys and, and they're looking at me and they're like, so Justin, what are we trying to do? Justin, help us understand and like asking me all these questions. And I'm like, I am not qualified at all to do this. But here's the reality. Just like Paul wrote to Timothy and Peter wrote to the church, is God is not having people who are overqualified or underqualified to do stuff because if you're called and you're committed to doing it, that's what you're qualified to do. You can step out and lead. So come to the Leadership Institute. You can find all these groups on our community groups page. So go on our page, find a community group. Some of you, this will be a massive step of faith for you and you're unsure about that and that's totally fine. You should still come. The last, the last group we have, this is a powerful group for so many of us, is this group called Starting Point. And this is for people who say, I'm investigating faith. I'm not sure what I believe. Like you, I mean, like talk about all the different parts of the Bible. I don't even know, like, did God really create the world? And did that happen? Did that not happen? Like, so it's Adam and Eve, and they have their kids. And who who married their kids? Like, did they just marry each other for generations? Like, that's weird. I'm not sure about that, right? You're trying to figure out all these things of faith, or you're brand new to faith, and you're trying to figure out things. Starting point is a great place for you because we talk about things from a very, very clear, basic level. We're not assuming anybody knows anything. It's, it's still helpful. You're going to learn a bunch, but also more importantly, you're not just going to learn things. You're going to meet some people who have a heart to help teach and mentor people and to love on people who are new to faith and people who aren't sure what they believe. Because again, no matter where you go on our campus, no matter where you are at, what community group you go to, what age you are, we are an accepting and inviting church to every kind of person imaginable. It doesn't matter what your story is because you don't know our story. So trust us when we say, you come in, we will receive you. It doesn't matter where you're at. And for so many of us, the lifestyle groups is the place for you to take a step and say, I want to grow. I want to take a step. And this is a really practical step that you can take to fight back to take control of your personal growth because it is your responsibility alone but you are not the only person that benefits from that would you all stand with me both campuses would stand to our feet as we close in prayer asking for wisdom and asking for guidance that we would be able to take steps of growth continue focusing on jesus because here's the deal as important as growth is grace is greater than growth and even as we're growing, we always are constantly looking back to Jesus and the grace that he has shown us and given us. And we are never trying to earn our way to God through growing. But once we have that relationship with God, honestly, it's expected that we grow because when we grow, we get to give ourselves away. And that's what the whole, whole Christian movement about, the whole Jesus thing is all about, is giving your life away. So let's pray for wisdom and courage to do that well. God, thank you so much for what you're doing in our gathering. God, for the people coming almost every single week to know you as Savior, we thank you so much for that. God, we're excited about what you're doing, but we also want to acknowledge that you have done so much in us and you've given us a gift. And God, that we should not neglect those gifts. But God, we should step out and we should grow. I pray you give us wisdom and courage to take steps of growth. God, that we could be healthy followers of you and lead other people to your incredible grace and love. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? 
You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.